Lodgecasters, welcome to the Lodgecast, the official podcast of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. I'm your host, Mr. M. This is being recorded at the Lodge in Whittier, California. You're tuned in to episode eight. We have a great guest lined up for you. We have Rob Hammer. He's the photographer, the publisher of the book, Barbershops of America. You're going to want to stay tuned, so hold on. That'll come up a little bit later. Uh, today is April 3rd, 2017. I'm sorry. Today is May 3rd, 2017. Don't want to go back in time, man. We need to move forward. So make sure that you find us on our website, gentlemansavenue.com forward slash the Lodgecast. On social media, you can find us at on Instagram at Lodgecast, on Twitter at the Lodgecast, and also on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe follow us and make sure you're sharing us on your social media. You can find us on iTunes and Google play. And in case you're wondering, not only do we have a podcast, which is the audio only portion of this episode, but we also have a vodcast, which is the video of this episode. So there'll be some things that we reference during the episode that you can check out on the vodcast. So that's that. And this episode is sponsored by our house brand, old duck grooming. Okay. This morning I got up, had a little stubble. You know, I want to look clean. I want to look clean. You know, the studies have shown you look better, you feel better. There's a correlation. So it was time to shave. And shaving is a very traumatic event for your skin. Not only are you cutting the hair off your face, but you're also shaving a layer of skin off. Yeah, it'd be hard. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about it because you're running this blade right up against your skin. So it's cutting a layer of skin. And we developed an all-natural, no chemicals, zero toxins shave cream. We developed it in two scents. There's a fresh scent, which has that nice, fresh, morning, reviving, uh, you know, feel to it. Then there's the trail for, you know, the outdoorsy, the musky, the, you know, nice, uh, you know, masculine, right? They're both very manly. Okay, don't think, okay, the fresh one is for, you know, it's not, it's not feminine. But what I'm saying is, is there's a, you give your, your choice. Maybe you pick both. Maybe you're like, you know what? I, sometimes I want to have that fresh feeling in the morning. You know, I want that revived feel. And then sometimes I just want that, you know, little outdoorsy feel to it, a little bit different fragrance. And we, you know, these are the highest quality ingredients, highest quality. So we spared absolutely. We went down and got the best products, the best ingredients to include in the shave cream. Uh, the, each of the ingredients, okay, so there's no chemicals. I know a lot of companies say, all natural, all natural. And then you look on the ingredients, and you're like, fuck, that's a chemical right there. That's a chemical, that's a chemical. These are all natural ingredients that have been used for thousands of years by ancient humans. Some of them were even used as medicine. Some of them were used as currencies. That's the value that these ingredients have. They not only have properties that assist in reducing inflammation, promote healing of your skin, and all and antibacterial properties. Uh, these aren't medical claims, folks. These are just what each of the properties do uh, on their own. So you can imagine putting all these bad boys together into a shave cream to produce the smoothest, the most nourishing, and the one that promotes the most health for your skin after this very traumatic event of shaving. So it promotes healing. Not only is it revitalized, it promotes healing. So that's Old Duck Grooming. Okay, the it'll be up on the screen right there. I put the little um, the cans up there so you can see them. And uh, make sure you check them out. Uh, it's our house brand once again. The latest and the greatest. 
of gentlemansavenue.com, the Lodgecast podcast. Okay. Last week, I had an interesting conversation with a bright individual, and we discussed podcasting, okay? And I know there's a big impression of podcasting, or maybe even what I do, uh, which I don't even know what to say about that, but podcasting for me is a casual conversation amongst friends. As Danny would say, my friend Danny out in Gentleman's Parlor Barbershop, San Jacinto, one of my favorite quotes of his he says, when a customer comes in, a stranger, they leave a friend, okay? Some of the folks that come here to the podcast, I don't know them. I'm meeting them for the first time. So to be able to, to have them come here, it's a casual conversation among somebody who I hope to make as a friend because I'm here because I'm, they're here because I'm interested in them, whatever it is they're doing. Okay, I'm not, I'm not a hater. I'm not like one of those people out there like, fuck that guy, you know, he's trying to do what I'm doing or, you know, no. This is a casual conversation amongst friends that just happens to be recorded and videoed and put on the internet. But it's to introduce these people to you guys or maybe you know them or you follow them or you support their work uh, or their businesses because some of these individuals have businesses. But I'm bringing them here to introduce them to you guys. So that's my purpose. That's what this podcast is. It's a casual conversation amongst friends that happens to be recorded and it's put on our blog. Okay. It's put on our blog, put on iTunes and Google play. And you know, last weekend I had the wise guys here. I had the brothers, two of the founding members of the wise guys, big band machine. So you're talking, it's an 18 piece band, 18 piece. That's, Amazing. It's a swing band, mambo, uh, rockabilly, um, you name it. Uh, the old standards. I mean, these guys are doing it with new life. And so I had the brothers here, Frank and Art Barajas. And, you know, for those of you, you know, who grew up in either a large family or small family or no family, you know, you grew up alone as a solo child. I watched these brothers, man, and I really envied their relationship. You know, I mean, it was just like this back and forth between them. I was just like, man, these guys are really just on the same wavelength, man. I mean, it's just, and you could see the the intimacy between them, you know, the closeness between them. You're almost like, I think if, if you know, one gets uh, hurt, uh, you know, like, you know, maybe trips and falls, the other one might actually feel it. Um, you know, they're not twins or nothing. They're separated by three years. But I really sat here and envied that, you know. I mean, I didn't grow up as an only child, but shit, I might as well have, you know. Uh, that's a whole nother bag of chips there, but. You know, it, it's just cool to see, and I, I've known them for a while, but not personally, but just known them from seeing them perform, and so it was just a real, real cool thing to see uh, these guys here, and um, so that'll pretty much, you know, wrap up the latest and greatest, and I hope you guys enjoyed that episode, you know, because these episodes are being filmed, and they won't be released for a while because of my limitations, you know, I can't sit here all damn day and edit and do all these things that need to be done. I'm doing my best I can to, to produce the best episodes for you guys to be downloading and watching. And I thank you guys for your patience and many of your positive thoughts and prayers for my recovery from my severe injury, uh, which I know I don't discuss too much, but, um, you know, I know some of you are, are, have been following me and have been listening to the podcast and are aware of my situation. So, so speaking of just supporting people, I mean, we have Rob Hammer here. He's a photographer. You know, I really enjoy what he does. You know, while yeah, I'm, you know, 
in the process for the last few years of producing uh, Revival, the traditional barbershop book, I really enjoy seeing somebody else doing something that is, you know, similar passion. Uh, I'm not going to hate on the guy, you know, what, what kind of dick would do that? You know, I would definitely want to, you know, it's like being to see somebody who's in the same field, same passion and to discover their work. You know, I, I applaud him. I applaud him for what he's doing. I'm a fan, you know, because in the end of the day, we're both doing what we enjoy and what you guys want to see. And so his books, I mean, are, are, are really, really cool. And I'm really thankful that he's here. So let me just um, let him know to come on into the lodge. Um, and we'll be discussing and interviewing him because I want you guys to really meet this guy and, you know, find out about his life and his passion. So he's uh, entering in, as you can hear the door open and close. He's entering in the lodge. And shortly he'll be right here. And there's Mr. Rob Hammer. How's it going, Rob? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Good to meet you, man. You too. Oh, this is the book. This is the book. Rob has brought the book. If you're not watching the vodcast, make sure you watch it. I'm going to be putting it up on the screen. He actually brought one here for me to look at. Um, How's it going, Rob? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. It's awesome to have you here. It's... uh, you drove up from San Diego, right? I did. A little bit of it. Man, you know, I, I that five is just like, there's that section. I think it's like after San Clemente, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's almost like hypnotizing where you're just like, fuck, yeah. I can mentally do this. Man, you do it at the wrong time of day and it's brutal. Yeah. Brutal. But it was good today. Everyone good. else in Southern California on that same damn, same damn freeway yeah. at the same damn time. Seven days a week. That's what it feels like. Yeah. And you've traveled a lot. I mean, here's this book. Barber Shops of America, which state by state. So tell me, tell me about this book. Ooh, man, where do you want me to begin? What what made you what made you decide to do it? Because you're you're a photographer by trade, right? I am. Yeah. Okay, so you you obviously already have a passion for telling story. I mean, or how do you how do you approach photography in general? Uh, you know, I think I have two different sides of it. Uh, most of what I do is commercial, you know, so I do a lot of advertising photography for clients, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the total opposite of this. So they're two kind of totally different beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, commercial photography is very, very involved mm-hmm. when you're doing stuff for clients, you know, you're on set and there's probably a hundred people on set when mm-hmm. you only need five. So there's a lot of people to answer to. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of politics, which I think is why I love projects like this because it's the complete opposite. You know, I'm just out on my own, traveling around the country, just doing my own thing. So it's a lot more simple, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. So you were, you know, you're already a commercial photographer. You're photographing, uh, doing work for who? Uh, companies like Nike and Adidas, Foot Locker, Fox Sports, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Okay. Which is, it's awesome. It's, it's great. Um, but I think maybe just for me, I think you need, because that stuff is so involved and don't get me wrong. I love it. It's mm-hmm. great. But because it's so involved, I think you need the, something that's, uh, offsets that where you can just kind of go out and do your own thing without having to kind of answer to everybody. So it's like a creative outlet. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Because this book, it's 120 pages. It's a coffee table book. Uh, When was the first print? Is this the first printing of it? It is. Which is what, 2014? 
Man, good question. Uh, yeah, late 2014, 15, maybe. I can't remember. Okay, so this is a fairly recent book. And from this book, you have prints available mm-hmm. and you also have skateboards that you yeah. uh, that yeah. you did. Those are recent, very yeah. recent. Which is really cool. And, and from what I gathered, you did 750 shops, okay? So, and only 75 are featured, which is Correct. 10%. So- and I know because I've photographed many shops and, and you know, most of the guys I'm dealing with are, because these guys here in the book are of an older generation. Right? Yeah, these old are, school. These guys are probably from the Silver Age yeah. of barbering, from the 50s, 60s, maybe a couple 70s. But, I mean, how were they, how, how did they receive you? Were they just salty bastards? Or, oh, you know, man. Uh, <laughs> you're coming into it, their domain, you know? Yeah. You know, it was... Uh, I got some good reactions mm-hmm. for sure. Um, it was all over the place. And I think what kind of made it very cool is uh, a lot of that maybe depended on where I was in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of guys were either all for it because, you know, nothing like that had ever happened to them before mm-hmm. or they couldn't understand it. You know, they couldn't understand why somebody was traveling around the country to take pictures of barbershops. It just didn't make sense to them. And then there was the other uh, batch of people who were just flat out no's, you know, very skeptical. Like, you know, I think uh, one of the one of the really cool things about barbershops is that sometimes there's some other things going on mm-hmm. that may or may not be legal. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, somebody somebody like me walks into a shop, say down in the south, where there's you know not a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. And I walk into an all black shop, you know, it's like uh, the music stops and everybody just kind of turns around and because you're, you're like what? What are you six two, six three, six five? Say, oh shit! So yeah. you're six five. So you look like a fed, you know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're slender. Yeah. You're pretty athletically built. So you walk into a shop in the south. <laughs> yeah, asking to quote unquote photograph. Yeah, exactly. It's and I came. I became very aware of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, I I became aware of how odd it could have looked mm-hmm. that, you know, a big white dude walks into a, in all black <laughs> town and says, yeah, I'm uh, I'd like to take some pictures of your barbershop. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're, you're a cop. You can leave and sign this release, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, the, the reactions were cool, but, um, you know, I mean, barbers are cool people, mm-hmm. you know? So most of the time it was really, really cool. It was a great experience. And, you know, I think if you're cool with people, they're cool with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think maybe some of the bad reactions were maybe me not explaining myself right or maybe not carrying myself right. But mm-hmm. barbers are cool people, man. And they were, most of them were really pumped about it. What was the craziest experience you had? Negative. Your negative, the most negative ex- reception you had at a barbershop. Oh, You don't man. have to name them because, you know, we'll keep them undercover. But. Yeah. Uh, you know, early on, in the project, it was one of my first cross-country trips. I found a great shop in uh, Oklahoma, of all places, that looked like it was plucked out of Ireland from the 1700s and then placed into this tiny little town in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And right when I walked in, I was you know, just kind of instantly in love with the place. I was like, man, this is this has to be a part of the book. And the, the vibe in there was kind of weird with the owner and 
people that were hanging out there as friends and I kind of explained what I was trying to do and it was like an instant no and I was I was bummed so I kind of you know tried to keep explaining to him what I was doing to try to convince mm-hmm. him to let me take pictures and they kept saying no and I tried to explain it again and it it got to you know this guy and all his friends kind of stood up real aggressive and one of them was like he said no and it had it almost had a a very immediate danger kind of thing like there's a mob there's a mob (laughs) exactly that's exactly what it was man and i don't know if i've watched too many movies or what but it had a very mob-like feel Mm -hmm. like leave or you're gonna have problems Mm -hmm. real quick so that was kind of a, a nice intro to the whole project because i saw how it could go and what could happen and that people may or may not be into it no that's true because uh a friend of ours out in chicago uh, joe's barbershop who's uh yeah second or third generation now uh, barber the father got the shop for one dollar come on but there was also a business happening down oh. in the basement and in chicago we probably know what that business yeah. was <laughs> and uh you know it's a great story you know it's a great legacy and barbershops are an amazing part of society it's incredible and to see because you were going around uh what year did you start this is a two and a half year journey okay so you started what in 2012 yeah. 13 maybe yeah so you started in 2012 and barbering and gentleman's avenue we started in 2013 and Barbering, when you started and when I started, was a different picture than what it is today. I mean, the barbers have always existed, and since the time of the pharaohs, mm-hmm. since the first caveman chipped an obsidian and said, fuck, let's cut this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 grooming has existed, so it's nothing yeah. new. But this revitalized, rejuvenated, like hyper, you know, drive version and incarnation of barbering which is awesome to see it's crazy so when you look at that because now you're working on another book right Mm -hmm. and it's what it tell us what it's about uh i guess it's kind of the opposite of this Mm -hmm. you know this book is for people haven't seen it it's really old school shops you know Mm -hmm. i mean just really old school guys old school shops from really small towns all across america and the new book is focusing on this what I don't even know if it's the right word, but the kind of next generation of barbers, mm-hmm. um, you know, the younger guys that are these younger shops that have just kind of exploded over the past couple mm-hmm. of years, uh, which is, you know, when I, when I got done with this book, all that stuff really wasn't going on to the level that it's going on now. And I, but I started to see it and I was kind of against it just uh, maybe because I'm stubborn and I loved, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on with these old school guys. But the more that I've got to travel around and kind of visit all these shops, my, my view has totally changed, mm-hmm. you know, because you, man, there's a, there's a ton of chop shops out there. You know, there's big a time, bunch of, time. there's a bunch of guys who they don't give a shit about the tradition or the craft or anything like that. And you can see that in their shop. You can see that there's no pride whatsoever. Or the social media whores. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, they think it's just this, uh, you know, sexy thing to do, but there's no pride there. Mm -hmm. But then you see, 
you know, there's those gems, those those shops that that have popped up in the past couple of years or you know, probably more. Mm-hmm. But they're these guys that have tons of pride. You know, they mm-hmm. they're they're very proud of what they do. They take a lot of pride in being great at what they do. And you see that in not only their cuts, but their shop as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's great to see and it's uh it's been fun visiting these shops and meeting these guys and photographing them. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the thing for me was been when you know, when I would reach out to barbers, you know, through social media or through connections, pretty soon everything would kind of like snowball, right? You start yeah. with one, two, and then all of a sudden you're you're dealing with a lot more people than you thought. And some of them, when they were too cool for me, right? They would be I'd be like, fuck, dude, you're a barber. I mean, it's you're a service, a customer service based industry, first of all. And I'd walk in and some, one of the things until now, people really haven't known who I am or much less what I look like. So I'd walk into some of these shops, you know, just as a normal person just yeah. to get the vibe because all barber shops have a different vibe. Oh yeah. Some of them you're yeah. like, fuck, I just want to get out of here. Like, and that's terrible. That, And, and then you look around and there's customers, paying customers that are putting money into that barber's pocket to pay his bills. Yeah. Barber, I don't know. Maybe there's a few barbers out there that are trust fund babies. They're doing it for shits and kicks mm-hmm. and don't care about money. But last time I checked, it's a, a business that they're all trying to make money on. And for you, what's the biggest thing that when you went into these shops, these, cause these are all old timers. And I know a lot of people would say, well, these guys were all dying out. They're just sitting in their shops, reading newspapers. Yeah, you'd walk in. There's an old timer sitting there. What was the the thing you were looking at? Because you're going into shops that you want to photograph because mm-hmm. aesthetically they look pleasing. But what 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 was the vibe? Or was there something that you included that you're like, fuck, I don't even feel right because I put them in here because they're dicks. You know, even though they signed the release. I mean, ah, uh, you know. <laughs> I Basically, do you have any regrets? Like, oh, fuck, I wish I didn't put that barber in there because now, uh, like, he's legitimate, <laughs> legitimized <laughs> for all eternity. You know, I wouldn't say that I have regrets other than I think, I don't know, man. I I think that I could have kept going. You know what I mean? I mm. think at least with photography and myself, it, it's hard to ever feel like you're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. When I When I decided to call it quits, when I – got done with all 50 states on the last one i was like all right you know this is great i'm i'm pumped let's move on to the the next phase of uh editing all the pictures and designing the book the fun part yeah i mean it was all fun i mean <laughs> traveling around all 50 Wait, states are you is, telling me you love and you because you shoot them in raw yeah okay so in case anybody's not look knowing what the hell we're talking about please google raw image and you'll know that there's a ton of fun stuff to do because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you how many photos did you take in total oh shit man I, how many hard drives that, did you feel <laughs> oh too many i mean it was it, i say too many but then when i look back at the book i think not enough not, you know not, you can never like for for us we did um in 2013 we did um we photographed i think it's 13 barbershops all in Southern California. And yeah. our book was, and it's still pending because of other issues, but uh, Revival, the traditional barbershop. And mm-hmm. it was in Southern California, right? So we have, I think for each barbershop, we did maybe like 800. Yeah. Two up to 1,000 yeah. photos. Because we just did like natural, right? Like the only mm-hmm. thing we think we used was a flash on the on the shoe mount. Yeah. Everything was like, let's just capture the shop in its natural environment. Yeah. 
And it sounds easy enough, but then you sit there and you're like, fuck, damn, that's way too many. You know, I wish that we would have just deleted the ones we didn't like in the, in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so for you, how, you how, if you had to guess, how many photos did you take in total? Oh, Over 10,000, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I Man. mean, folder upon folder upon folder, you know, I mean, then when you I, start narrowing them down, right? To like it's smaller and smaller and categories. smaller and smaller. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's crazy because you look at the pictures at the time and you're like, that's the one, that's the one I want to include, or these are the three mm -hmm. I want to include from that shot. For sure, yeah. And then now that I've been going back through it, I, I look through these folders and I'm like, man, I picked out the dog shit of the group, you know, <laughs> like I, I should have used this one, this one, and this one instead. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I'm just never satisfied or content, I guess. But I think mm -hmm. I can always make it better, which is probably why I'm doing it again. Doing it again. Yeah. And you know, I, 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 I have, I've had regrets. I've had regrets and, and it, only in the sense of, I mean, I don't lose sleep over it, but I think you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> what, but I, I, what I do is because I think about the associations, you know, yet we had a photographer and, um, he came on board, uh, because, uh, my girlfriend who does most of the photography, physically wasn't able to at the day, the day that I had to shoot. And he came on a recommendation. I mean, it was a, a phenomenal photo shoot. I mean, mm -hmm. it was just every, you know, when one of the things when like the lighting was good, mm -hmm. it was early in the morning, every, I mean, there's not one more thing that I could have wanted. Yeah. I was so excited. And the dude burned me. How so? Burned me for all the pictures. Never gave me one. And they were mine. They're legally mine. And it, if that fucker ever puts them out there, I'll make sure to, to have an attorney visit uh, quick like, because these are stuff that's quality like you. You could sell prints. Yeah. Like there's moments in time. And so this was 2013. Mm -hmm. Four years ago, the barbering world has changed. And some of these barbershops that I follow, I see like, man, your staff has like a revolving door. You know, like that yeah. barber's now over here. That barber's or, or jumping around. And for you, because you're seeing these guys. Uh, what was the oldest guy you met, the oldest barber during the Barbershops of America book? Man. Uh, well, so there was a barbershop I found in Vermont that was from the late 1800s. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely the oldest shop. But as far as barber, I want to say early 90s. Damn. Yeah. And still going, still, you know, no plans on, mm -hmm. on stopping for as long as he could stand or, you know. Use the scissors. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And you came from New York. Yeah. You're born and raised. Mm -hmm. And then now you're in San Diego. Mm -hmm. What made you transition to, to San Diego? Sick of the cold, mostly. You know, sick <laughs> you're of like, the, the weather. Yeah. Dude, it it, uh, it wears on you, man. It's, you know, you sound like a pussy saying it, but yeah. it sucks. You know, I mean, the quality of life out here is just so much better. San Diego too is beautiful. Oh, it's great, man. It's hard to beat. We uh, we moved away for a little bit. We moved to Denver. Mm -hmm. Denver's a great spot, but when you move out of here, you realize how great it is and yeah. had to come back. Yeah, because the community you're, where you're at, I'm familiar with, and you, you see uh, surfboards and yoga mats and yeah. <laughs> a lot of beach cruisers in the yeah. beach community, which is totally awesome. And so this book here, I have a few images, and maybe you can tell me the backstory. Sure. Uh, we have this gentleman here, okay. the first image. What can you tell me about this guy here? Is his name Harry? His name is Harry. Harry. Man, 
He's wearing a Wayavera, first of all. It's not a smock. So uh, tell, tell me about this. Man, about as old school as you can get, I would say. I mean, Mississippi, first of all, is, is where he's located. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody listens been from or has been to Mississippi, but man, it's most of it is kind of stuck in time, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy is charging four dollars for a haircut. Jesus, four dollars. And is it a four dollar haircut or is it like a it, you know? He didn't have anybody in there when I was visiting. <laughs> I don't know if he actually still cuts hair. He just <laughs> if he just hangs out. But yeah, I asked him about it. I, you know, like how do you, how can you afford to charge that much? And mm-hmm. he he had no interest in raising the prices at all. You know, that was probably three years ago, and I would doubt that the prices have gone mm-hmm. up. Inflation hasn't. Yeah. Hit. So when you got when you got this picture, what's going through? What, what what is it that you're trying to capture? What do you feel you captured in this picture? I guess a a couple things really. I mean, I kind of want to do them justice. You know, I want to do the shop justice. I kind of want to show what's really going on. One thing I try to do is not control anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess kind of be just a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Just let these guys do their thing. I don't move anything. I don't clean up. I mean, you'll see all the shit on the guy's counter there. Yeah, it looks pretty cluttered. You know, I mean, that a lot of those old shops are just cluttered as hell, and that's you know what gives them their character what makes them cool so i don't want to change any of that you know just kind of seeing these guys float around in their natural environment is a pretty cool thing Mm -hmm. so i I just want to i guess you just want to really capture the shop as it is so that people can see what it is you know each one is so unique and that's a a tough thing to capture but also a fun challenge he, you could tell he's a bit salty here. Harry looks, uh, <laughs> he, he looks like you know, like d- don't even ask for no fancy haircut. Just oh. Sit down and you, whatever you ask for, I'm going to give you what I wanted to, anyways. It's not he up to you. Look. It's yeah. up to him. Yeah, he's yeah. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not going to complain. Nope. I mean, anybody who's looking for a fancy haircut's not going in there anyway. Yeah, he's wearing a, a key lime looking wavera, <laughs> and he's got underneath it a flannel. Uh, what is it? Like a dark midnight blue, maybe, with white stripes uh, flannel. So you could tell. He's got a comb in his pocket, and he don't give a shit. No. You know, and, and I think it's cool because we did um, we did a documentary that'll come out in a couple of days here in the U.S. and in Japan, uh, 120 Years of Barbering, mm-hmm. and it's two old-timers. Uh, did you see anything about that or anything? I saw the trailer, yeah. Yeah, so we have cool. the 75-year-old who's now 77 and 89-year-old who's now yeah. 91. And a little backstory I'll tell people who, who are at home, which you don't really get from the, the film, is so we did it in, in basically two days. So we get there Friday, and the uh, the 89-year-old comes down from Stockton, which is like an eight-hour drive oh. with the whole crew. The whole barbershop shuts down for the weekend. Uh-uh. Which is crazy because they're just saying, we're not going to make any money and we're going to spend money nice. to come down here. So they come down here and the night we meet at the barbershop and my brother Danny out in San Jacinto, gentleman's part of barbershop. And we do like a little rundown agenda for Saturday filming. And so we're like, yeah, let's go out. Danny's like, let's go out to eat. So all of us go out to eat at my favorite restaurant, Sweet Baby Jane's right there in Hemet. And it's just a party, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, here's this 89-year-old. <laughs> At the end of the table, drinking pints, bro. I mean, and, and Frank is, he's probably like 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, mm-hmm. you know, uh, crusty, 
uh, World War II battlefield veteran yeah. and just barbering, and I don't give a shit. Fuck it. I mean, he cussed yeah. like a sailor, <laughs> you know? And so when I see these, that's the thing I like about, you know, I looked at images online of your book. As much as I like going into shops and seeing like a chair from 1910 and, you know, everybody in the shop's got barber, barber pole tattoos. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. That's your thing. Um, I don't pretend to be a barber or anything. I'm just someone who happens to be on the periphery being able to document. Yeah. And I enjoy it because of guys like Harry. To me, it's like these are the guys that survived that period of the Beatles, Right, the the Beatles, Nirvana, heavy metal. When men just let now, what was any of their stories that you had that you're just like? Because did you sit there and talk to them? Did you build relationships, or was it just like, at you know, you just in and out, or what was it? Tried to as much as I could. Um, like you said, I mean, these guys all have great stories. You know, they've been around for so long. They're and I think one of the greatest parts about them is that they're so candid. <laughs> you know, like they're. While they, it might be a really strange thing to them that you're there mm -hmm. to photograph their shop, they also probably don't give a shit. Like they're not <laughs> that impressed. You know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. changing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're not. Uh, they don't have social media accounts, right? No, man. Most of these guys don't have phones. <laughs> <laughs> they they have the rotary dial phone on the wall still, or the payphone. <laughs> Some of them don't even have that. It's just like you gotta. You can't call and make an appointment. You just gotta walk in. If he's free, he's free. If mm -hmm. not, you're waiting. You know. But uh, yeah, I mean, just so candid. You know, just the conversations that you can have with these guys is just unreal. But more than that, it's just the the conversations that they have with their customers. Mm -hmm. You know, because they've known these guys for fifty years. You know, they, yeah. they're great friends, and they, they're, you know, they have a great back and forth, just going at each other all the time. So that's cool to see. You know, it's a, that's what you want out of a barbershop, in my mm -hmm. opinion. You wanna, you wanna feel like you can just go in and relax, shoot the shit, you know, bust balls, drink a beer, whatever. Just, uh, you know, I guess that kind of goes back to what you were saying about the vibe mm -hmm. of, of barbershops where you go in and it's the vibe is just terrible and it's a place where you don't want to be. <laughs> it's awful, man. No, who wants that? You know, you want to, you yeah. want to, uh, you want to feel invited in, you want to feel welcomed. You want to be able to just stretch your shit out and relax. So where do you go? Where, who's your bar? Where's your barbershop? Um, who's your bar? Well, I, I started shaving my head like a year ago. Mm -hmm. I didn't have much left, but, uh, AJ at Capitol down in San Diego is okay, the man. So AJ and Capitol? Capitol Barbershop. Capital Barbershop. Yeah. He's the man. He's yeah. the man. Yeah. All right. That's good. Um, yeah. because I, I watched, um, I can't remember what it was called. I watched this older documentary. I can't remember now for the life of me. And they interviewed a, a sociologist and he said, barbering is man's third place. He has third place, his third yeah. place. He has home, he has work. The barbershop becomes his third place and where he can go be a man. Yeah. And so what you're doing and what you did in this book and what you're doing in your new book, you're capturing a very special part of human society that many people don't, I mean, this is a men's grooming worldwide is $26 billion a year industry. Is that what it is? 26 Ooh. billion, not Man. million, billion. Wow. And it's there's no signs of slowing down women's uh grooming industry is on the decline men's is on the rise because acceptance of metrosexuality and not sexuality <laughs> metrosexuals <laughs> and grooming and, and and positiveness and what what do you feel what kind of responsibility do you, or do you feel that you're just still like a commercial photographer or have you yet come to realize like man i'm 
kind of the guy who's going to preserve because this is what this is what you did here with these guys i mean you preserved many of these guys in the next few years are gonna not be around they're gonna pass on to the great barbershop in the sky and what, what do you feel about that i mean your role what do you feel your role or do you just want to just kind of be a photographer still doing the commercial thing nike whatever and doing barbershops occasionally or mm, man that's hard you know i I'm really grateful for for what I do commercially. It's 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 great, you know, and I'm I'm lucky to have clients that are willing to pay me to do really cool commercial mm-hmm. shit, you know. I mean I've no need to name drop, but you know, I'm I'm very fortunate to to work with professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Um drop some he, names. Uh, I want to hear. Uh, <laughs> and the people want to hear out there too. <laughs> I'd rather drop names of barbers, you know, but uh you know, I've I'm super lucky, man. You know, I've shot with Shaq and Kobe and um, you know, legends like the newer guys like mm-hmm. Durant, Westbrook, um, you know, tons of NBA guys. And yet these guys here, these barbers, these old timers, in comparison for you personally, what do you feel? Uh you know, it's the commercial stuff is it's it's cool. And again, I'm lucky to do it, but uh you know the the athletes don't want to be there. No, they, and it's I'm not, work. It's work. Like it's work for them. It's business. You know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and I'm not saying that they're not cool because most of them are. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's it's just another thing that's taking up their time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, you know what? They're thinking, what what can I do that's going to get me out of here the quickest? And kinda, <laughs> like going to the doctors, right? Yeah, kind of. You got to do it. Because of obligations? Yes, kind of. You know, I mean, those guys are, everybody wants a piece of their time, mm-hmm. you know? So I try to make things quick for them and as uh, as painless as possible. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, those guys, everybody wants a piece of them. So, you know, you're you're when you do that commercial stuff, you're fighting for 10 minutes with them or mm-hmm. five or a half hour or whatever it is. And that stuff's super cool. Um, and I'm lucky to do it. But uh sometimes I think like at the end of the day though, that stuff doesn't matter. You know, there's, you go on the internet and there's a billion pictures of all those guys, Mm -hmm. 30, 40, 50 years down the road. Most of those pictures aren't going to matter. You know, this to me is, is amazing because it is a piece of time. Mm -hmm. You know, since I've done this book, some of these guys have already passed away. You know, some of these guys are gone. Their shops are gone. They're no, that's it. You know, they're, they're gone forever. People aren't going to be able to see them. Um, and this whole style of barbering is going away. You know, these are like time capsules almost. Mm-hmm. So I love doing this stuff, man. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you not love getting in your car and driving cross country, going to all 50 states and just seeing what's going on out there? You know, mm-hmm. visiting these guys, meeting them, seeing what's going on in their shop. It's It's amazing. I love it. No, and it's honor. It's honoring them because I, 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 that's another part of the book. I think that not only maybe some guys are picking it up because they just want to flip their pictures to get ideas for their heritage of their shop, or, yeah. you know, their profession, but it's, a, it's honoring because I see this image here of Harry and I love it because there is that stoicness about him. This man is, you could tell he's, Barbary may not be considered quote unquote blue collar, but this man is proud of his profession. Yeah. Which I think, I, I'm not, I know younger guys, uh, I'm not sure if it's 
they want to pick it up as a game, a hustle. But these guys, I mean, I had one, uh, Fred, 75, right? Uh -huh. He's sitting there. I mean, he, he, he got so freaking pissed. He's like, I worked too damn hard in my lifetime to make this profession better. And he kept calling it a profession. And he goes, I can't stand it when young guys say it's a game or a hustle. And I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, the, the pride, they, it's a pride, not a sense of like, you know, I'm the king shit, right? Yeah. And, and would, did you find that when you met these guys, and, and you know, all the old guys, old timers, that they really just took pride in their profession? Or would they view it as craft, art, hustle? <laughs> it's a, definitely not a hustle. <laughs> you know, that, I, don't, I don't know if that word is even in their vocabulary that so much. So they didn't have no barber battle trophies or barber no, battle belts? No, no, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, mo most of the places that I went to, were very small towns off the grid mm -hmm. and it is it was it's so much different what these guys are doing is so much different from what the guys are doing now mm -hmm. and i'm not hating on the new guys by any means you know it's a it's a totally different time but now barbers are connected it seems like everybody knows everybody and that's cool that's a good thing you know f for the most part all these newer barbers are very supportive of each other you know on this working on the new book you know i've so far i've gone from everywhere from here up to seattle mm -hmm. everybody in seattle knows everybody down here and everybody down here knows everybody all the way up the coast and that's super cool and they kind of feed off each other and um you know have a lot of respect for each other and they do guest spots you know somebody up north mm -hmm. will come down here to do a spot at somebody else's barbershop and that's super cool you know it's not like uh you know, fuck those guys up there. They're taking food off our table in the next town over. You know what I mean? These guys, they're just doing their thing. They don't they don't know a barber the next town over or three towns over the next state up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's uh like I said, like these guys don't barely even have phones. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. They're they're just in there doing their thing. They they love being a barber. That's mm -hmm. it. You know, some of these guys that's that's all they've ever known that's all they want to know that's all they want to do they love it you know so it's uh it's very different you know one of the things that really jump-started the project for me because it started very local you know mm -hmm. i was just it was just this little side project i was doing in san diego just <clears throat> excuse me just shooting shops in in san diego that i could find then it started kind of branching out to Southern California and then and I really started liking it and then I branched out to Arizona mm -hmm. and then New Mexico and when I was home at Christmas one time I was like you know I'm gonna go down to the city home New York New York yeah okay. sorry I'm, I said I'm gonna go down to the city and see what I can find down there because there's a lot of old school spots down there you know I found this guy in Spanish Harlem this Italian guy, he was an immigrant a long time mm -hmm. ago, came over here, still spoke really broken English, but was a, a, a piece of that neighborhood, a very well-known piece of that neighborhood. You know what I mean? He had been in his shop for, I think it was 50 years. Mm -hmm. And the timing just happened to be that I walked into his shop like a couple days before he was about to get kicked out. What? Damn. After 50 years, because the landlord was kicking him out to bring in a, a Chinese takeout restaurant because the tenant, the owner was was willing to pay like five times the rent or whatever it was. Damn. So the landlord's like, 
fuck off, you know, get yeah, out. Yeah. And like I said, I just happened to be there for that. And he, he was a wreck, a wreck about it. You know what I mean? And like our, uh, our talking back and forth wasn't that great because of his spoken English mm-hmm. or his, uh, his broken English. But I mean, I could obviously understand what he was saying. And he was visibly a wreck about being kicked out of his shop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's when it kind of s- sunk into me like th- this, you know, being a barber to these old guys means absolutely everything to mm-hmm. them. And their shop means everything to them. There's so much pride in that. You know, this guy was, he was getting kicked out of there after all that time. And, you know, he was going to move on. He was going to get an old, sh- another shop, but, you know, it's not the same. Yeah. You know, he has all that history in that shop. You know, like, like you said, that's like a second home to mm-hmm. him. So, I mean, that level of pride is is kind of unmatched. Now, when 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 you would do when you did this, you you believed it was disappearing. Yeah, which I think in the last eighteen years, five books have been written, including yours, mm-hmm. and everyone believed it was disappearing. So everybody's like trying to capture it, and. I, that book, did you see that book, The Vanishing American yeah. Barbershop? Mark by Marvy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know they had made it. And I, and I had the book. I think I just had it for references, right? Yeah. And so when I was doing our book, Revival of the Traditional Barbershop, because that's what I, I've had several conversations with um, well-established barbers for the, who have been barbering for two years um, that have corrected me on my terminology because I call it a revival. Yeah. And they're like, well, I see it as a renaissance. And they give me like this long, uh, you know, discourse on why it's a renaissance. And I thought, you're not doing nothing new. You know, I mean, yeah. I, it's a revival. <laughs> it's just bringing life back into something that everybody yeah. believed for the last, I mean, 18 years, five books yeah. was to me astonishing. So back to Har- uh, Marvy, so I didn't know. So I sent them this email and I was pitching the book Yeah, and I included their book. It was the main image of, oh, really? <laughs> this is what's wrong with the publications, and I'm going to fix it, right? Yeah. Because that's the thing with writing books, because you did this independently. Mm-hmm. So you published, you didn't have to do a no publish house or nothing nope. that nope. had to sit there and pick it apart and nope. uh, criticize it. Matter of fact, I'll put it up on the screen for people to see. Uh, this is an image I found online of your book. I really liked it. And actually, I see on this Instagram, Figaro, Figaro's Barbershop oh, yeah. and Holy Tiger Barbershop out in yeah. in Austria. Thanks for the like, fellas. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're uh, have you seen the Holy Tiger's Barbershop? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a new, and they literally wanted to replicate Americana oh, in Austria. And it's the first of its kind there. But your book, I mean, I love it because what is on the cover? Is that a tile? Is that, what is that? Is that a carpet or wood mat what is it no uh so that's that's red before you tell me do you want another beer sure all right um that's red's barbershop in mississippi which okay with this one yeah pumpkin shandy yeah we're getting a little uh advanced here folks we're moving along from a guinness uh, nitro ipa to uh thank you so okay tell me about the uh cover here so that's red's barbershop in mississippi Mm -hmm. super old school spot um, and that, from what I could tell, is just all custom-made linoleum. <laughs> linoleum. Linoleum. So they had that all, you know, that flag cut 
you know, handmade into the floor like that. I mean, the, you know, when you go to the right and to the left, it's all no, a lot more normal, just, you know, kind of the uh, checkered floor. But they had that flag custom made in there. So I, you know, just got a got a boom and attached my camera to it and kind of shot straight down as you can kind of see the uh, the pieces of the chairs on the left and the right there. And that 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 pretty much killed a bunch of birds with one stone, right? Oh, because man. you're like, cover's done. Oh yeah. I mean, you walk <laughs> you walk into that shop and you're like, done, done. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a gem right there. That's a gift. I mean, you. I could travel for the next the rest of my lifetime and never find an image like that again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, which is cool because then it also has the what most people would say is the the uh, newspapers sitting on the uh, chair there probably by was it a wash station maybe um yeah which i know a lot of people said because it's giving them credit too did did you feel that was part of your thing is like i'm giving you your due this is you know what what did you feel you were giving the barbers or how did you pitch it to them because you at some point you had to do some finagling and probably convincing yeah i i would say that was kind of an Mm anti-pitch you know i'm definitely not a salesman uh I think most of it was just kind of talking to them like they're, you know, regular regular people because they are regular people, mm-hmm. you know. They're just good guys, you know. So just saying, you know, just explaining what I was doing, just, you know, I wanted to make a book on barbershops all across the country, and it was super simple. And either they were into it or they weren't. And, mm-hmm. and if, uh, if it was a shop that I really felt was amazing and was needed to be in the book because it was so unique and so authentic, then I would just try to sit and talk to him a little bit more and, you know, bring it back up again a little bit later and see what happened. But yeah, it definitely wasn't a pitch. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of an explanation of what I was doing and just like a conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, I mean, some of these guys were, they were like, what? (laughs) <laughs> like you're from San Diego and you're out in Nebraska mm-hmm. or like North Dakota. What the fuck's your problem? <laughs> you know, but yeah, it was cool. So was there, was there one that you felt? Cause I, you told me about the one that got away, right? Yeah. The one that was like an, yeah. I think you said Irish. Yeah. Left vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, was there one that you, and I, and I, I might've asked this earlier, but maybe now you, you'll remember a little bit, but was there one that you felt like, I wish I would have included the because you you did seven hundred and fifty shops, ten percent are featured seventy five. Is there one you felt shouldn't have been in there that you put in there, and ones that you felt shouldn't you know vice versa? Mm, that's tough. I because at the time, right, like you said, you like, even looking back on it now, you see images and you're like, oh, I should use that one. I should use that one. But yeah. At the moment, this is also capturing you and your perspective on this. Yeah. So what was your perspective coming into it? How about that? Uh, you know, excuse me. There was a, so in the back of the book, there's, I don't know, five or six pages of the quote unquote next generation barbers. And a lot of me wishes that I didn't put that in there. And again, it's absolutely nothing against those guys. Like their shops are super cool and they're super cool, but I kind of wish that I left it just as these old school guys and then saved the newer shops for the next book. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? Because that's kind of like a theatrical thing where you kind of go to, you know, the end, the conclusion, but you leave the teaser for part two. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> right? It's a good way to think think of it, yeah. Right? Like, you yeah. know, Luke Anakin is still alive. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he didn't die. Yeah. Uh, he'll be Darth Vader. But, and I think with the new guys, and, and that would be my one, two cents, and maybe I'm a penny short, mm. but um, to just really, truly take what you do with the, the gravity of what it is, because you are, in a sense, becoming, you know, ad hoc historian for all time. And I think that's one thing in the years since I've been doing the website and magazine and publications, is I now look at it that way, that I have to be careful because I can lend a tremendous amount of credibility to somebody. Mm-hmm whether they're in Japan, because I know your stuff's being in Japan now too, mm-hmm. and around the world, they're picking up these publications and, and they they're, they think that the rest of, of America views it the same yeah. because you put it out or I put it out. Yeah. And I think that's the thing of when you feel something's amiss, even though the person's willing, you know, do your homework and your research on them. Yeah. Uh, in this industry – a person's name and reputation by far exceeds how beautiful and how many cool antiques they have. Mm-hmm. Because then all of a sudden, then you're that guy, and in your back of your mind, you may be like, shit, I just put them up on a pedestal. That's, so that's my two cents. I may be a penny short, but it is. No, I, I agree. Because your reputation becomes attached then. Yeah. To, yeah, for you sure. Can't be like I was just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's no, there it's, for all time. It's there. Yeah. And uh, but I think so for you. From where you when, when you started with these old timers, and what has been your experience so far with, uh, what did you call them? The next, next generation. generation. Next generation. What has been your experience in a contrast of the two? Oof. Well, it's really easy to make the. Uh, Visually, I think it's easy to compare them. Uh, I mean, you even mentioned the word barber to most people who are, you know, over 30 or 40 or whatever, and you you get a mental image of a, a old white-haired guy who's just, you know, kind of a character, crusty, mm-hmm. tons of stories, that kind of thing. But now the the picture of a barber the model of a barber is a younger guy who's tatted from head to toe you know what i mean and that's yeah. and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but no yeah that's become the standard and there's some there's also something that i think is really really cool about that because if you if you take a a just a normal person that you know, maybe five, say say five or ten years ago, they walk into a barber shop that they don't know. They're just on vacation or whatever. They walk into a barber shop, and the first person that greets them is a big dude who's covered in tats and you know jewelry. They're gonna be like, "Fuck, I don't, I don't want this dude to cut my hair." Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, like what the fuck's this dude's problem? <laughs> but now. That's the standard, and mm-hmm. the the cool thing that I've I've come to realize from talking to all these guys and meeting all, all these guys is they're just tattoos. Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, a lot of, uh, you know, closed-minded people would look at a lot of these guys and think, like, that dude's, you know, he's a fucking asshole or he's a scumbag or mm -hmm. whatever. But, like... He's a felon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. That's a that's a probably a good way to put it, but just tattoos, man. These They're good people. You know, you, you sit down and talk to them, have a conversation with them. They're, they're just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm... I have nothing against tattoos, but I don't have any. But I'm... They're, we're no different. I think you should get BOA right on your neck because I see that you use that as an acronym <laughs> for your book, Barbershop of America yeah. BOA. Yeah. And the American flag. And it is, I think, I think it's part of a disturbing trend if, you know, getting a pair of shears tattooed by your eye or a barber pole on your neck gives you credibility in the industry. That's ancient, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, the time of the pharaohs, man, barbering was super huge. Um, it's probably one of the most ancient and most documented in all of history. And, and there's one guy I seen, and, and it's crazy because you see this. It's probably like a, I called it a case study when I, I wrote an article called, uh, it was a series called The Greatest Threat to Barbering. And one of them was I did a, there was a legit case study on a guy. In two years, he went from virgin skin to complete from neck to fingertips. Wow. And I thought, I think he has lead, uh, ink poisoning. There's no way he could get that many tattoos and have that much meaning. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have tattoos. They all mean something. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I wasn't just like, hey, I'm bored. <laughs> or I would never forget. I think this individual might forget. And he became, he looks the part. Mm -hmm. And so for, for you, and I think that's what I'm getting at, is some of the guys look the part. And it's not for us to judge and discredit them, but I think it's it's an area of, of concern for being, a, and like I said, I don't think either of us have you know degrees in history or no. anything like that, but in the sense of this ancient profession that we're on the periphery of to, to look at it. And besides seeing the tattoos, what other contrast do you see between the younger, this next generation and the guys that are in your book? It's more of a business now. It's very big business, big business, huge business, big business, man. <laughs> and it, cash business it, mostly. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> don't want to imply anything, but yeah. it's cash <laughs> well, it always has been, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of barbers and barbershops now have become a brand. A brand, yeah, that's more a good, than good way just, to put it. More than just a barber or a barbershop. They're a brand. You know, uh, you had mentioned uh, the shops in other countries, in Austria and Japan. Barbering is huge over there now. Mm -hmm. And not just barbering, but from what I understand from talking to all these guys and seeing all the social media stuff, the barbers and barbershops in uh, Japan will say love American barbershops. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they look to some of these guys, I think particularly in Southern California as the standard, you know, like they're the bar mm -hmm. and they're, they're designing their places kind of after our places. Exactly. So, so I'm sure, I'm sure then you, you, you become aware of Jake Bricks Eric Webb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Donnie, was, Donnie Holly. Yeah. Just shot with uh, Eric Webb last week. Yeah. He was, you know, I, I've I've met a lot of people, tattooers, musicians, and, and doing what I do. 
And I think one of the first people that really, really made me nervous, and I was kind of awestruck, was Eric Webb, who is, you know, he's he's um, so gentle, you know, oh, compared man. to what I thought. I thought he was just going to, you know, come off, you know, like royalty because of the pedigree that he has. He's the perfect example mm-hmm. because he, you take any any guy off the street, and maybe not in Southern California because down here it's normal. You know, everybody mm-hmm. has tattoos. But you take somebody who uh, comes from North Dakota or wherever, you know, middle of the country, mm-hmm. they come here on vacation, they need their haircut, they work in, they walk into Circle City, and Eric's the first guy that they see. He's in the <laughs> first, first chair. <laughs> and, you know, immediately they're like, uh, <laughs> but he is yeah. like the nicest, most genuine dude that you'll meet, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, it's, I mean, it can't, you know, it's a stupid, you know, it's an old saying, but you can't judge a book. No, yeah, and, and they're just tattoos. And to see the contrast, even of him from when he was a teenager uh, under Jake Bricks to you know the way he looks now is just it's there's a stark contrast. Um, and I think like you were saying earlier about Japan, um, you know, I just had the Japanese here, Masa and Hitoshi-san, and Hitoshi has a, a barber shop there in Kobe, Kobe, Japan. You know, Kobe yeah. beef and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, his barber shop, his, his shop, it's a salon. And they don't have that big line in the sand the way we have here in the States with mm-hmm. salon and barber shop. I mean, for God's sakes, in California, it's illegal for a cosmetologist to use a straight razor or display a barber pole. Yeah. I don't know who, who hair police come out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, and so he has his barber shop looks like a 1950s diner. Oh, wow. Complete with little booths yeah. and fake counter. Like, it looks like you can walk up to the counter and order like a really? cheeseburger, fries, and malt, <laughs> you know? And he's he was a huge fan of American graffiti. Okay. And, and it's, it's crazy because I'm sitting there thinking like, you're from the land of samurai and geisha, man. Like, but it's that exoticness of, and I think American graffiti, he said in Happy Days, influenced him the most. Oh, wow. And- that's part of the responsibility that I was telling you about earlier because your publication, this one and your future one, mm-hmm. will be headed there and to other countries, I'm sure, too. And for you, when you say like Eric Webb, when you met him, were you able to connect the great, you know, the the importance of who you're speaking with? And I know he doesn't put off – I think I called him – the most reluctant barber icon. You oh, know. really? He was the most reluctant <laughs> barber. I, I I kept telling him, and he's like, no, 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 don't, don't say. And I'm like, Eric, but you can't run from your place in barber. Because it is. Southern California is the epicenter of this style of barbering. The tattoo. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. It, tattoos have always been around, but it is the epicenter because of folks like Jake Bricks, who's arguably the founder Eric Webb and Donnie, who has just been the ambassador. Actually, I think he's in Brazil. I think he was in Argentina. Now he's doing a haircut, which is crazy. He's he's all over the place. Touring. Yeah. And not just him. A a lot of barbers are going. What do you think about this? I spoke with a barber who had been in the industry 25 years. And he told me, he said, we were talking about the industry. And he said, look, the celebrity stylists have invaded barbering industry. They just don't know it yet. You know, because of the haircut seminars, yeah. workshops, the little mic 
little mic coming mm-hmm. down by their mouth with the headset on up on stage. Because we're outsiders. Yeah. Both of us are outsiders. Yeah. So we can observe, I think, I don't know if it's neutral or jaded. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I'm becoming jaded, but do you think that that's true from as an outsider perspective? You said it, we're, we're outsiders, and it's probably not. Well, yeah, because neither of us are barbers. So. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not my place to judge, but on one hand, you you have to say, like, they're promoting the barber industry in one way or another. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I, Which is great. You know, anything to kind of make the industry better I think is great. But I also think that they're—I mean—they've changed it so much too, where it's just become this flashy. Just it's like they want to be the celebrities. Is it like? I mean? the, is it like Sham Wow? Like the guy yeah. that did the? Is, is that what you're saying? Because I kind of caught that vibe of what you're—is that—is that what you're saying? It's like the, the um, infomercial. Yeah, kind. Of, I mean, that's probably a good way to put it. Yeah, it's a. Uh, they're, I mean, it's kind of like they're doing more of that than they are actually barbering. You know what I mean? It's more, more of them being seen and doing these seminars and all that other stuff because they, they love the limelight. I guess maybe more than. So they, if AJ, you said AJ, right? Was your barber? Yeah. So if AJ, all of a sudden you keep trying to get was it appointments or walk-ins? Uh, appointments. Okay, so you, every time you're trying to book, he's out of town. He's flying to wherever, uh, whatever metropolitan, hip city, anywhere in the world to do a thing. At a certain point, not only as a customer, and I'm sure as his friend, mm-hmm. what would you feel like? He's your barber. Would you lose interest? Would you be like, what would you think? I don't think you can ever hate on somebody for bettering themselves, mm-hmm. you know, because people should always do that. Um I guess, you know, I'd, I would just be, I don't know, man. You can't, you can never walk in somebody else's shoes. No, but I'm I mean? saying for, for yourself though, because like for me, I, I okay, because there's probably a lot of barbers going to be listening to this episode. Yeah. I will say there is a place for celebrity barbers. Yeah. I honestly believe that that is, so you can put that in the bank, not that it's worth shit, <laughs> but <laughs> It'll fucking bounce, but yeah. I will say it. There is a place. Yeah, sure. But, and I know because like my barber, he passed away up the street here, American Vintage. And it was, it's always hard to make that transition to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't imagine trying to get a haircut and, oh, he's out of town. He's here. He's there. He's, and, and I'd be like, well, then you should personally me i'd be like well then maybe you should stick to that role and i find another barber yeah and that's what i mean is yeah. and so for would you feel that way because like i said you can't i'm not saying judge aj and be like fuck aj yeah. asshole you know <laughs> aj i like you i don't know who you are but i'll look you up on social media and give you a like but you know what i mean yeah, it, yeah. because we are yeah. we not only are and i think for me it's becoming more and more of a reality of what it is because it's a passion. Mine's a passion. Yours is a passion. Because I'm sure it's not like getting that check from Nike or you know yeah. Under Armour or yeah. you know you're 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 doing it for the love. Mm-hmm. You know, as a business still, but 
that care and the gravity of what it is. You know, some some of these barbers, and I don't mean to knock you, man. If this is you and you feel guilty and you feel like shit because I just said it, well, then you should look at yourself and, I don't know, get therapy or something. But if a barber, does this worry you to see? Because this is a trend. When a barber has been in more shops than they have years of service. And not because, oh, I moved because my mom was sick, so I had to move back home. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I moved shops. Do you feel that that's... I mean, put, let's put on our, like, responsibility, like mm. like I said, um, you know, Sunday morning uh, historians. There's got to be a reason for that, right? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it would worry me. I think, uh, I mean, look at these guys, these old school guys that I was, mm-hmm. I was photographing. You know, some of these guys are, there's one chair. It's just them, and they've been there for 50 <laughs> years. Like, you couldn't do that now. There's absolutely no way you can have a one-shop one chair now and survive especially mm-hmm. down here with you know what the rent must be but yeah i mean i think there's re- there's something really cool about being at one place for a really long time mm-hmm. and having those customers that come to you forever and you get to know and they're you know they become friends as opposed to jumping around um but i think that the the business the business of barbering has has changed that a lot and you know but for better or worse i don't know man it's uh People want to make money, you know. Um, you can't hate on people for making money. Um, but yeah, I guess I yeah I, I do. I wish people would stay, mm-hmm. would stick around because they are part of the community. You you are yes. not not only it's, and I, Rob. I think you're on the fence here a lot. We we got to we got we got to get <laughs> off the fence, okay? Because I'm 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 trying to tell you, Rob, drop the hammer on the situation <laughs> because um, and maybe 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 I don't know. Maybe at the end of the day, you're like fuck. You know, I just am a. a I like to, to photograph as a hobby, uh, barbershops, but I think as maybe you'll include more writing later into your books, that it is that documenting, it is that history, that nobody will, you, you have it in a digital format. Your book is available in a digital format. Mm-hmm. So as long as technology exists, your book, th- this episode, this podcast, whatever we do in digital world versus like print, print me, whatever, dissolve, but in the digital world, it'll exist for all eternity. And so some poor sucker maybe in like 80 or 100 years will look back and do research on barbering yeah, and maybe pull up this podcast episode or pull up your book and go, what was barbering like back then? Which is a cool thing. And at the same time, there's a, it's like that Spider-Man syndrome where, you know, great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not that we have power, but there is a power, as they would say, the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah. Or the shear or the straight razor at times because of what it is we're doing Mm -hmm. for all time. And to see that, I mean, it it goes back to as you're now, because you do have that contrast. You do. You, You have the experience of traveling for two and a half freaking years to different states to meet these old timers. And then now you're meeting a lot more of these young guys. And I mean young because they're younger and they're, you know, they're not ARP members or yeah. you know, they're probably under 50. Yeah. Um, and so maybe there is that contrast now. It's a huge contrast. Um, and just like I did with this, I was very picky about, mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned before, I mean, I went, to at least 750 shops. You know, I think it, I calculated it a while ago and I think it was even way more than that. Mm. 
no matter what profession you're in, there's always going to be different levels of pride and different levels of authenticity. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So that's not going to change. But the thing that I'm focusing on is the, the people that have the pride mm-hmm. and are authentic and are doing it for the right reasons. All the rest of the people, I mean, you know, they're doing what they're doing for whatever the reason is. I don't know if, you know, maybe they want to be that next celebrity barber or they just think it's easy money. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, either way, it's cool to see that there there's a, a large group of people, a large group of barbers now that have that level of pride that will someday be these guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We hope. We hope. Yeah. Good luck getting a CPA with a sheer <laughs> tattoo next to your eye. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I mean, it would be cool forty years from now to revisit this again and and uh, you know keep in touch with all these guys and photograph them in their shops when they're sixty or seventy or eighty and see what's going on. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that I enjoyed when I did one hundred twenty years was, and I still I, I totally looked up to both of the guys. Because they were, they, they, there was no retirement. There was no like, you know, when I retire, I'm going to go to the Bahamas or I'm going to buy a little house in Rosarito and live the fucking life. Yeah. To, I mean, Fred's like, dude, I hope to die behind the chair. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, dude, dude I hope you don't tell your clients that. <laughs> like, Because they're probably like, Fuck, when's it going to croak, you know, at the yeah. straight razor? Or even Frank, uh, the 89-year-old, he sat there and he's like, you know, they want us to use those... Um, the inserts for the straight razors, the replaceable blades for sanitary reasons. So I don't give a shit. I use a razor, straight razor still. What are they going to tell me? And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm thinking like, this is the life still. Mm -hmm. Yes. The young generation is propelling it forward and it's evolving. It is evolving. And I'm, I'm grateful that they're doing it because it's making the industry better. Yeah. As long as they keep that pride, because these old guys, the guys in your book that, Nobody else would see besides the people in their community. You know, that's the crazy part is Harry has no idea unless you've called and told him, hey, Harry, people in Japan are checking you out and they're viewing that this is American barbering. You're part of history now. Yeah. Not just in your community. Because some barbers are, so. did you find that in some communities? Because I know some small communities, they will celebrate the barber. Like they'll write a little article in the local newspaper like, oh, Fred's been here for did you find that at all? Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that I love about barbershops is just looking at the walls. You mm-hmm. know, there's pictures, articles from newspapers and whatnot, and that's that's definitely one thing, especially small towns, man. Speaking of walls, I'm going to pull up an image. You can go ahead and talk. Oh, man. <laughs> so here this we have guy. Butte, Montana. So speaking of walls, tell me about this wall. <laughs> this guy, this guy was a gem. <laughs> character character among characters i mean barbers are interesting people you know but this guy was he was uh he was in his own class i i wish that i had a picture that was kind of you know, 360 of this place because there's i don't know how this guy relaxes <laughs> you know what i mean like there's so much shit in there which is stimulus yeah, yeah it's it's cool to look at and it's i get why he does it but damn i mean so let me describe for people, in case you're just listening to the podcast, like I say, make sure you check out the podcast because I'm going to have these images up here. So is it called Joe's Barbershop or what's his barbershop called? 
Do you remember? Oh, shit. I should know that. I think it was Joe's. Yeah, we'll just say it's Joe's. Yeah, okay, sure. so Joe there in Butte, Montana, not but, Butte. <laughs> Butte, Montana has his wall looks like about probably 95% covered in, I don't know, uh, what is it? Articles, pictures, knickknacks. Everything, man. Pictures, records, and you name it. Yeah, it, it, there's very little of what you can see of the actual wall, T-shirts it looks like, and um, it looks like a cluttered, insane mess. But and he might have been. <laughs> well, so he so his personality matched then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's another thing. So okay, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll get. Did you find because now you're dealing with the newcomers or the new generation of barbering? Who's uh, do does their personality match the barbershop? Like maybe these old timers, where you could literally see their personality thrown up on the walls. Definitely, yeah, for sure. Um, that was a great thing about the first book that kind of made me realize how cool it was uh, going to all fifty states because the shops were very indicative of where they were. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I mentioned this in the intro of the book, but, you know, you go to a shop that's in the Bronx or somewhere in New York, you know, there's tons of Yankee shit on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to a place in uh, Kansas or Colorado or something like that, and they've got hunting trophies on the wall. So it's, yeah, they, 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 yeah, so so the animals, they killed them. They weren't bought oh, like an antique no, shop. No, 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 no. Hmm, I wonder if, no, <laughs> <but> <laughs> the young guys, but uh, yeah. No, so go these on. are... Yeah, it's you. You get a feeling for where you are in these old shops, you know, based on what's on the wall. Mm-hmm. Whether it's hunting trophies, Yankee memorabilia, fishing trophies, uh, whatever it is, man, you know, squirrels uh, in Virginia that these guys love squirrel hunting. So there's tons of squirrels on the wall. Did you ever eat any of? Them? Did they give you something funky or something exotic? Oh man, we I went to. Uh, uh, I don't know, it was an antique store, maybe you call it, and there was some character who was running the place. He, They were getting ready to do a, a squirrel barbecue, whatever the hell they called it. And we're like, man, you guys should stick around. You know, it's we're going to be having some squirrel in a little bit. And <laughs> I was like, man, that sounds great. But unfortunately, I don't have the time to stick around. But, I mean, it's just one of those cool things that you experience when you're in a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're – I live in San Diego. No one in San Diego is cooking up squirrel, <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. that's an awesome thing to see or yeah. an, awesome, an awesome thing to experience. Like a different part, a different time in America, right? Yeah. I mean, or, those guys are, guys like that, they don't give a shit about Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, they don't care about social media or the latest iPhone or anything like that. They're just, they're just doing their thing. Yeah, they're, they're not about the like. And I think that's something that maybe in the new guys, we see that, that some guys are doing, and it's good. I mean, cause you got to promote yourselves. I mean, that's the hard part is, if, you know, you want to kind of give your assessment of the situation, but then you don't want to like people like, oh, you're a hater. And then you're like, well, fuck then fine. I won't write about you or feature you cause we already had issues to begin with. Yeah. So I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm definitely not hating, man. I mean, and it's not, I'm, it's like we, I, I, I honestly think without it, without an honest, assessment and maybe we don't need to name people you know i, I would say definitely don't name people no, and be like this guy this guy this guy this guy this shop here fucking avoid them like the plague and yeah. shit um if you don't know what the plague is please don't use wikipedia <laughs> find a good resource <laughs> for that but um and these guys these old timers so here we have joe 
Joe is, is, is it a one chair shop? Yeah. So Joe is one of, and you could tell he's a fan of Mickey because not only does he have a, looks like maybe three or four foot Mickey stuffed animal, but then I think above it, it also says Mickey. <laughs> oh yeah, sure does. I think he's a, a, a Mickey Mouse fan and who would think right in Montana? He's a trip, man. That guy was, he can't really see in that picture, but the entire chair is covered in duct tape. You know, that's what's kind of <laughs> holding it together. Wait a minute. So you did, you did not show us the full chair because it was, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I do see the duct tape under the customer's yeah. leg right there. It is a, it looks great. Yeah. There's a, there's another picture in the book where it's just the chair and it's, it is just covered in duct tape. It's cool. This guy's a trip, man. He, he loved being a barber and he, he loved what I was doing. Mm-hmm. He used to call me all the time because I gave him a card when I left with my number on it and. He used to leave me messages all the time, like, Rob, this is Joe Buny in View, Montana. <laughs> checking in on the book. Like, he could not wait to get his hands on a copy of the book. Could not wait. But, yeah, call me off the hook, man. He was funny. <laughs> what, what was the guy that's the most memorable to you out there in the, in the first book in Barbershops of America? It's, it's okay, first of all, is this one going to be called Volume that one gonna be called volume 2 or is it a whole different title? struggling with that okay you don't have to reveal that but no no it's not even about revealing i'm just struggling with uh figuring it out okay so in barbershops america is there any one barber that you're just like this guy was such a character yeah just memorable tell me about him well most of them were and people ask me this all the time and it's hard to kind of narrow one down but uh there was a guy in kansas burlington kansas honest john dietrich awesome dude (laughs) His, is that his name? John Dietrich, Honest John. Yeah, his, his barbershop was called Honest John's Barbershop. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can't get any more middle of the country. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you take your finger and drop it on a map into the middle of the country. It's mm-hmm. going to Burlington, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I had no idea about a shop. You know, this wasn't something that I researched or anything. But I I rolled into Burlington one day. You know, I mean, just out sniffing for little towns, little town barbershops mm-hmm. and roll into Burlington and it's, you know, one stoplight, tiny, tiny town. And I find this barber shop and I go in, it's, it's, it's pretty early. And I go in and when you're in these towns, it's obvious that you're an outsider. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, everyone knows everyone in these towns. And I roll in and this, I don't know what he, he's probably like 80. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and he's just one of those old timers where his, his smile just lights you up. You know what I mean? Just the happiest old guy mm-hmm. that you'll ever meet. Couldn't have been any happier that I was there. And we kind of just immediately hit it off. One of the talk about somebody who loves being a barber. You know, I think he said he he'd been doing it fifty four or fifty five years, and you know w- was planning on doing it in another fifty four years, something like that. But yeah, this guy just one of those people where you you feel grateful for meeting him because he's so happy and so positive and and loves what he does so much mm-hmm. that it kind of you know leaves a leaves an effect on you um so we're in there and we're talking and i mean first of all he he couldn't believe what i was doing he couldn't believe that i ch- was traveling across country to take pictures of barbers and a lot of it i think is because outsiders don't come into that town you know mm-hmm. it's just not a place that you go or you see people that aren't from there you know so it, it kind of blew his mind mm-hmm. and he said on a couple different occasions like 
man, I can't wait to tell my friends that somebody took my picture today. They're never <laughs> they going like to believe stars. it. Yes, he did. They're never going to believe it. And, you know, it, it was just a, a great time being in a shop and talking to him. And I, I made some, some pictures that I really liked of him. And it was a great experience. And when I left, I was like, I told him, I'm like, I'm going to, I'll send you some prints. And he loved it. Just, you know, my friends are never going to believe this, never going to believe it. <laughs> yeah. And for whatever reason, I totally slacked on sending him prints, which I felt bad about. So fast forward like two or three years, I was doing another cross-country trip, and I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to hand-deliver him some prints. Mm-hmm. So I roll into town again, and there's a – a handwritten note on the door it says uh, shop is closed indefinitely I'm wow like, yeah I was like, man what that's not good so i mean to tell you kind of about this town i had to go to try to get in touch with them i had to go to like a uh, general store and look his name up in the yellow pages <laughs> okay so i find yes. this guy's name in the yellow pages and i call and i get i get his wife and she's like yeah you know john's really really sick you know he's not he's he's out of the shop for right now. We don't know, you know, when he's going to be getting better, blah, blah, blah. And which, you know, obviously sucks to hear. Um, and I explained what I was doing there. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, said, well, you know, I photographed him a long time ago and blah, 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 you know, and I brought some prints for him and she says, okay, you know, great. You can leave him at the store and we'll have somebody pick him up. Wow. I was like, all right, you know, it makes, made sense in that town. Mayberry kind of. Yeah. So, I leave the prints there and, um, you know, try to get a hold of them again a, a while later and, and couldn't get in touch with them. Probably five or six months down the line, I called again and I got his wife again and she says, yeah, you know, he's really sick, but, you know, he he got the prints and just absolutely loved them. Hmm. And at the, I think when I called, it was in like August or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, man, he, he was so happy about the prints. He got it framed and he hung it above the fireplace and he brought it to uh, the 4th of July party to show all his friends. <laughs> That's so, cool. I mean, think about how small of a town that is mm-hmm. that, you know, somebody comes in and takes your picture and you're that excited about it. Like, that's a really cool thing to me. So, you know, showing all his friends and ha- hanging it above the, the fireplace and what awesome to hear. So, he was sick, so he couldn't talk, which was disappointing, but, you know, understandable. So I keep trying to, I try to keep in touch with them mm-hmm. and, you know, just get the answering machine or whatever it was. And after probably like another six months or a year of trying to get in touch with them, no answer, nothing. So I, you know, I go online and Google his name and his obituary comes oh, up, shit. which, you know, it, it it's terrible, but, it, you know, he was super sick, so sort of expected Nonetheless, it's super sad, but I pull up the obituary and the image that they used for the obituary was the one that I made of him. Mm. So that was like a, just a super cool thing, man. Just to know that it made him that happy to have his picture taken and just, you know, the experience that we had in the shop was just, it was super cool, man. Just great experience. Great, great guy to meet. Glad I got to meet him. So that that's definitely one that sticks out. That's awesome. See, and that's yeah. that that's the the um, you know I've only had the privilege to work with Fred and Frank, the old timers, and I think that's the the gravity in which the work that 
we both do is yeah. that and we hope I, I honestly hope the young the young the next generation have that sense of longevity to have that sense of the pride in the profession because you know when I sit in the barber chair I'm not Mr. M man I'm sit there talk about life family you know whatever I'm growing in the garden you know I just want to be a regular person and yeah. I, I know anybody else does too yeah to where you feel and so and to develop that relationship with your barber because here's um honest John right mm-hmm. you know that that's that's got to be crushing. I mean, to at least feel that this is somebody you had a connection with, somebody that that drew your interest enough to put them in a book. To, you know, because this this becomes a memorial, not only for everybody that's here, for all the time. And that's all. That's that's. Uh, it's an amazing, but it's a sad story because yeah, you know, we know that all of one out of one dies. You know, and so you will die, and I'll die one day, and people that we've interacted with and the way we've carried ourselves and the work we've left. It's cool. That's a cool it, thing. Yeah, it, it is. And I honestly hope that the next generation of barbering, of barbers all really, really just take that, you know, sense of seriousness in what they do, that it's, it's a profession that'll be here long. You know, it never was going to die. If people just looked at history and been like, it never died out. It, it's changed forms, you know, it's, it's evolved. Everything does. And we hope that not only in, in your book, this next one, when is it, when are you planning on bringing it out? Hopefully by the end of the year. End of the year. And so you're still doing your commercial work? Yeah. So your website is? Uh, RobHammerPhotography.com. And social media? At RobHammerPhoto. And then the book has its own, just at Barbershops of America. Barbershops of America. And, okay, so you gave your social media... And it's been awesome, man. I've I've really enjoyed yeah, listening man, to cool. to your stories because I I um, admire your work, man. Because Thank it's you. it's it's cool to see that you were able to capture this these old timers before their shops became, you know. And I see that sometimes. I don't know if you've seen where, like on Craigslist, like an estate sale, and all of a sudden you see barber chairs, back bars, my grandfather's, and you're like, fuck, man, scoop those up, and and, and you feel. There's no like, gen- there's really not that much generational stuff here in the states. Um, whereas in other countries, there's like second, third, fourth generation barbers. There's some here in the states, but it's become more like just pilfered, right? Like yeah. cash, you yeah. know. And and so to capture that, because these are the shops that I kind of grew up going to. My my childhood barber shop still exists to this day. Nice. To this awesome. day, the chair I sat in as a child is still there, and the barber doesn't know. It's me. I've gone in there several times. And oh, really? We've kind of talked a little bit with the owner, and I've, I've actually told him, I said, you know, if you ever want to get rid of that barber chair, you better let me know first. And he just kind of probably looks at me like, like, what the fuck? It's just yeah, a chair from off, the 50s, dude. right? Yeah. It's just a chair from the 50s. It's nothing great. Yeah. But I'm like, nah, nah. I, I, I tell no, him, like, I'm serious. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm like, it's not. I mean, we have the chair yeah. behind you. That's start a collection. From my bro- oh, that's uh, Gentleman Partners Barbershop. I've had it here for about a year and a half two years i did some filming and but i'm like that chair would just because it is that connection and i and i and i hope that all the younger barbers pick up this book because this is their heritage this is their history of shops that are are harder to find now than they were back you know three or four years ago yeah not only because the guys are getting older and you know some passing on some no longer able to do it 
but because the, the industry is changing so much. I mean, especially in the small towns where most of the young guys want the new haircuts. They want the whatever the hell in some of these towns, whatever styles going around. They want the big city look, right? Yeah. They don't want, and that's how some of these small towns view it. So it's been a blast, man. I've had a uh, good time listening to your stories. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. It's, um, and hopefully we'll have you back when you're, you're or anytime, man. This, I will have an open door policy with you, man. Uh, if there's anything you want to come that. back and talk about, uh, hang out, have a few beers, and just shoot the breeze or whatever, man, because I, I, I think it's, it's important what you're doing. And I hope everybody out Thank there. You. Checks him out on his website, follows him on social media, and make sure that you pick up Barbershops of America and his new book that'll be coming out. And so that'll be it. So until next time, be well, my friends.